Did one quarterback's off-field antics officially alter your championship week lineup? Can Keenan Allen be trusted to put up big numbers after a disappointing week 15? And which former fantasy darling at running back will help you win a title this weekend? Plus, the 16-time FFPC main event and football guys league champion Steve Highfill will hang out to talk about Jeff Wilson's week 16 upside unleashing Jalen Hurts in the championship round, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Happy holidays to you, seasons. Greetings to all of you, fantasy football players, championship listeners. Thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Check out all their music at quiethollers.com. Uh, greetings, salutations. And uh, Merry Christmas, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs listening around the globe. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average uh, host, uh, Eric Balkman. Almost forgot my name there. And my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, uh, an early uh, Merry Christmas to you. I, I know you had a busy day today. How are you holding up? You ready for an hour of High Stakes Fantasy Football Radio? I am, Balky. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to you. You know, Christmas over the last few years has been a struggle with health issues and the family and things that we just didn't have any control of. It's been a tough year, but, man, this Christmas season is beginning to warm my heart. And we got a string of NFL games to keep us engaged all through Christmas weekend. That's a gift that uh, will just keep on giving for me. I'm very excited because we're crowning champions not only in the FFPC but in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship as well uh, after this weekend. It all kicks off, as you said. We get one game on Friday. We get a big triple header on Saturday, football all day from 1 p.m. until about 11 o'clock Sunday night, and then it all wraps up on Monday night football uh, this week. No Thursday night game, obviously, uh, no, no game tomorrow. So we'll get the Monday night game, and week 16 will wrap up with the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. Excited to talk about that game. Excited to talk about the whole slate, really, on the show tonight. Coming up, we're going to discuss Giovanni Bernard, how to handle him this week, which young AFC North receiver is going to bring you to the promised land this weekend. And Steve Highfill is going to join us to talk about how he managed to get 10 teams into both the FFPC main event as well as the Football Guys Championship rounds 
this year as well. Shout out to the chat room. You can post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkan. Remember to check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. That definitely gets the bulky stamp of approval there. Facebook.com slash HSFF Hour is where to reach us. 347-426-3682. If you want to give us a call tonight, that's 347-GAME-OVA. If you want to send us an email, we got a bunch of emails we'll get to at the bottom part of the show. Uh, HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com is where to send those. Uh, We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets and emails and fantasy feedback coming up before we let you go. Enjoy your Christmas. Shout out to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, our producer and mutual friend Rob. The 2021 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge, ladies and gentlemen, is back. Once again, a $500,000 grand prize, a $1.1 million prize pool, a 12-player lineup this year, as opposed to the 10-player lineup, a little bit more strategy with more teams in the playoffs. It's going to be fun. $200 to enter that, uh, capped out at 6,250 teams. Deadline for that is the first game of Wild Card Weekend, as is the Football Guys Playoff Challenge. That's only $35 to enter, and you could still win a $100,000 grand prize in there. Again, 12-player lineup, deadline, Wild Card Weekend. Check that out. Um, it's not out yet, but it will be in the wee hours tomorrow as, as I am uh, putting the finishing touches on the files and editing. Uh, the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown with Brad Cruz this week, a longtime FFPC and Kentucky player, uh, Fantasy Football State Championship player. Guy who's won, along with his brother Tim, uh, nearly $120,000 playing over the years. Great insight from him as far as Week 16 goes and how to build your teams next year as well. Check that out at rotoviz.com slash podcast um, early Thursday morning. Uh, so we are literally hours away from that being dropped. All right, let's get into the Fantasy Flash. Shout out to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's uh, topics that we're going to be talking about before we welcome Steve Highfield on. Um, Field Yates on Twitter actually has pointed this out. Baker Mayfield is fantasy football's third highest scoring quarterback over the last four weeks. He's completing over 70% of his passes. He is second in touchdown passes with 10 over that stretch, third in passing yards with over 1,200 in the last four games, threw for 297 and two touchdowns against the Giants. So you look at um, – it's been a mixture of things. The emergence of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt really uh, providing that backbone running game that Baker Mayfield needs for play action to, to make sure that he's getting the ball downfield to his playmakers – and uh, offensive line has been really good. I mean, he hasn't been under pressure a whole lot. In fact, he's only faced pressure on 26.7% of his dropbacks all season. That's fifth lowest in the NFL. The Browns get New York this week, Farrell, and we're going to get into Jalen Hurts in a little bit. Um, but I think fantasy owners need to take a hard look at starting Mr. Mayfield for a championship. Oh, Balky, I almost recused myself from answering this question because, you know, in our conversations before – I've never been a large Baker Mayfield fan, and I think uh, some of the commentary, some of the statistics are a little fuzzy. I would argue that Baker Mayfield uh, doesn't go through the progressions and escapes the rush uh, by leaving the pocket and bailing out on plays and and puts uh, Cleveland into a free-form offense. That's what he was doing in the first uh, six of 11 of his games this year when he failed to uh, uh, log 200 yards. Now, I think you you uh, are so correct in that his passing game is is um, determined uh, by what he can build off of play action and the success of the running game. Fortunately for him, he's got two very, very good running backs. Not only can they carry the rock, they can catch the ball. But I think that uh, in his last four games, he's had the pleasure of uh, 
an easier run than we expected. The Ravens uh, have been COVID-compromised. They've averaged 2.4 sacks per game this year, but they did not bring the type of Ravens defense in that matchup. The Titans are the worst. Titans have the worst pass rush in the business. Um, the Giants game, I think we can discount what we saw last Monday night. I'd like to talk a little bit in depth about that. Um, the players came ready to play for the New York Giants, and the coaches were not up to the task. It looks like the junior varsity uh, uh, coaches uh, came in and ran the Giants that night. I know they lost their offensive coordinator, but they did not look like they had a very good game plan put together in that game defensively. And then in in that four-game run where he has been successful, he also had played against the Jags, who have uh, lost their offensive continuity and are, and are uh, giving up close to 40 points in every game. So what I think Baker Mayfield may engage with this weekend is the New York Jets team going for 2-0, and oh, baby. And if you watched them, they got to – uh, Jared Goff, they sacked him three times. They had a wonderful pick, number 37, Bryce Hall. Falky, when he was drafted, he was a fifth-round guy out of Virginia. I couldn't believe he was still on the board. Uh, that one-handed interception and more athletic plays were due to come from him. You know, the NFL, especially at this time of year, it's a week-to-week league, thus the expression, any given Sunday. I am not going to go into my championship in week 16, depending on Baker Mayfield to carry it for me. I don't think he got you there based on what we talked about and what he did in the first 11 games. I think you likely have someone else, and someone else is who I'm going with here. Yeah, Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, going beyond the box score, taking you deep inside of the game. Um, So certainly if you are thinking Mayfield, maybe think again. Uh, Nothing wrong with considering him. I I think there's some interesting quarterbacks um, you know, as, as we get past the, the, the obvious ones, you know, in the top 10 or whatever, but, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Drew Brees or Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, uh, Tua Tungabailoa, that's another one, too, against Las Vegas this week. Uh, that's another guy that, that you'll have to consider. Well, we're going to get into some more quarterback analysis here shortly, um, but I think those are all guys that we'll explore before the top of the hour here. Um, the Washington football team is actually talking with the NFL about some social media posts showing Dwayne Haskins out at a uh, strip club without a mask, according to Tom mm-hmm. Pelissero on Twitter. Now, I believe he has been fined, uh, was it $40,000 or $50,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. He's lost his, um, his captainship with the team as well. Uh, now, I don't know what's going to happen here, Farrell, but if, if the NFL decides that, that he is COVID compromised, Alex Smith has to be able to go. Otherwise, it's going to be Taylor Heineke. Uh, who was mm-hmm. was on the practice squad with Washington last week? Um, if let let okay, so let, let's just frame it this way: If Alex Smith or Haskins is out there, you're going to be able to play McLaurin, you're going to play Logan Thomas. If Antonio Gibson's out there, you're probably playing him as well. What if it's Heineke? Does does that cause you to bench McLaurin or Thomas or any of these other Washington pass catchers, Farrell, that you normally would start? I would roll with McKissick, and I would think that Thomas would be a safety valve. So in our in our 1.5 points per FFPC tight end catch, I would be hesitant to shoot the horse that won the race. Thomas had an impressive uh, season high in catches last week. So, you know, he's a uh, St. Louis battle hawk and a, and a – uh, a grad of Old Dominion, and, you know, comes from Old Dumb, and he can get out on the field and 
let's see what he can do. You know, I'm a big believer, Balky, we say it every week, next man up football. I sure hope Alex Smith plays. You know, I don't want to see Washington's uh, rosy path that they're on as a favorite now to win the NFC East get compromised by by unavailability at quarterback. Haskins has uh, does not understand what's required for him to be a quarterback in this league. Uh, there's people that uh, should be uh, servicing his transition and, and making him understand what's expected. Uh, they're obviously not there for him. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, his actions are on his shoulders, but uh, you know, someone should uh, someone should help him at the point of the year understand the best path to take. And it's it's just a it's just a real shame. And losing the captaincy yeah. of a team that's a big deal. Yeah, and, and I think he kind of knew the writings on the wall. Like, look, I'm not going to be back with these guys next season. Um, you know, what's the mm-hmm. point? Uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm just in here until they can get uh, Alex Smith in or or the next guy in. So, um, I, I while I understand what he's doing, it's certainly not a good look for him. And, and you, you need to treat yourself as a professional, play out the season, and get ready for your next opportunity in the NFL. A guy you talk well, about it's next not a good NFL for him. No, it's not, and he and he's creating that too. Um, you talk about next man up football, Farrell, and, and certainly that's been the, the case in Cincinnati with their backfield this year, um, especially at the running back position. Giovanni Bernard, a guy that I had basically given up on after having so many opportunities yeah. to be the bell cow this year. Um, what does he do? Goes up against one of the toughest rush defenses in the NFL, 25 carries for 83 yards and a touchdown. He also catches a touchdown in that game as well. Um, it, it was insane because if you look back at week 14, he fumbled on his very first uh, on the very first touch he got in the game, and then did not play again until the third quarter. But the Bengals apparently had no problems uh, giving Giovanni Bernard 25 plus touches with their whole game plan centered around him. Uh, he and Ryan Finley actually combined for 35 rushes, only 13 pass attempts for the Bengals, and they controlled that game all the way through in getting that upset win over Pittsburgh. Who I think I said earlier. Um, on a show that I did earlier today, it looked like Pittsburgh was never going to lose again. Now it looks like they're never going to win again. Just <laughs> the fickleness of the NFL. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, so I guess my question to you is, seeing what we did see last week, Giovanni Bernard at Houston, not a great rush defense. Is this a guy that you can flex out and feel good about it in the FFPC? You feel very, very good about it. Those 25-plus touches. Uh, translated to 22.7 fantasy points, and I have no reason to believe that, that we're going to see anything different against the Houston Texans. Uh, I look back to what uh, David Montgomery did uh, against this club when uh, Chicago beat them 36-7. to I think we might be looking at some of the same results here. Um, Bernard, is, uh, Bernard is a veteran player. He's still got his quicks. He still can find the hole. I like a lot of things about what he's doing. And Cincinnati is in a situation where they're, uh, you know, they're playing for their future. They're playing for their jobs. They're playing for a roster spot on the team moving forward. They're loose and they're playing against the defense that they should have uh, a continued good time against this weekend. Um, speaking of running backs here, Lindsay Theory put this out on Twitter, um, I believe yesterday and um, confirmed by multiple uh, outlets. Sean McVay 
uh, says that Cam Akers is not going to be playing against the Seahawks this week. He has that nasty high ankle sprain that we always dread when we're looking at starting our players in our fantasy lineups. Uh, this could be a multi-week injury, so we'll we'll see if Akers is able to come back next week or even for the postseason. Um, this is, you know, it's one of those things where, where you know, again, it's, it's the theme tonight. Next man up football, it's going to be Daryl Henderson. It's going to be Malcolm Brown. Um, Farrell, same kind of question with the Bernard thing. Daryl Henderson goes up against the Seahawks this week. How much does the presence of Malcolm Brown concern you if you are deciding that, that Henderson is, is going to be one of your flexes as you try to win a title here? There's enough there for both guys, especially against the Seahawks. If you look back to what Malcolm Brown did in the first meeting against the Seahawks, he definitely seized the opportunity. I think it was two touchdowns. You know, names are going to be made for these two players as I think the Rams make a run uh, towards the Super Bowl. They may even get there. These guys are good backs. They're solid backs. They kept Akers on the bench for the entirety of the season. Man, I would love to see Akers play. These guys are going to seize the opportunity and go forward. I like Henderson. I like Brown. I'm not going to worry about playing either one of them. I consider them 1A and 1B. Henderson gets the most chances. Maybe Brown with the goal line work does more with his chances and fantasy points. Um, it's good stuff analysis, uh, good, good analysis there, uh, Farrell. We, we always appreciate that, and I, I think I'm with you on that uh, as well. It's, it's hard for me to see either one of those guys being the guy in Week 16, um, and I think you're limiting your upside, especially if you have to climb up the leaderboard in the main mm-hmm. event or in the Football Guys Players Championship. I do want to bring in our guest who does have a lot to say on this and is an expert on this. He's been playing fantasy football for more than two decades, along with 10-plus experience, in the FFPC. Over those years, 16 main event and football guys league league titles, 14 second place finishes and numerous third place finishes along with seeding bonuses have all been deposited into this guy's uh, FFPC player account. He's finished in the top 50 of the football guys championship round the last two years. He's got three teams in the top 100 in this year's championship round, uh, two teams in the top 200 of the main event championship round. Uh, he actually picked up on DFS uh, less than a month ago, and he's already won over $120,000 doing that, uh, winning the $100,000 first place in the uh, Thursday Night Football uh, 300000 deep stack showdown on DraftKings. Uh, he's one of 550 team owners to attend the first high-stakes live draft event in Las Vegas at the W Coffin. He joins us tonight to talk about how he's managed all those teams into the championship round once again. Please welcome on to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Steve, hi, Phil. Steve, season's greetings to you, my friend, and, and thanks for making up some uh, time for us this week. Hey, glad to be able to have the chance to do it, and then uh, looking forward to a good uh, final few weeks here uh, playing in the uh, championship. Yeah, we are too, and uh, and I know you are no stranger to that. We're going to get into how you've managed your teams, not only this year, but in years previous uh, to this point, Steve. Can you tell us what the what the listeners uh, what you're doing for a living when you're not playing semi-professional high-stakes fantasy football? Uh, yes, my real job uh, is uh, law firm uh, merger and acquisition consultant. I've been doing that for 26 years, uh, merging law firms, and I've also merged software technology companies and uh, biotech and uh, medical device companies. Uh, and recently, I started. Uh, my first SPAC, and I'm focusing in on telecom connectivity and communications mergers uh, and acquisitions. Uh, so I've been around numbers and 
uh, Wall Street my entire career. Mergers and acquisitions, Steve, that's obviously what you've done with your rosters because you are uh, you're merging all of them with multiple stacks of players, and your Buffalo Bills have been uh, just tremendous for you. Allen, Singletary, and Diggs all on one team. Did you plan it? Did it happen by accident? And oh, I that congratulate was you for your patience with Singletary. So tell us a little um, bit. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I, I draft multiple teams, and one of my uh, draft plans going into one of the teams was to stack those three players specifically uh, based on uh, my my research because I felt like I could get really good values for each one of them. I was able to pick Did up, you see uh, any of them shooting up the boards? that sort of made you uncomfortable. I, I kind of remember Singletary getting a little tougher to get as time went on, but to my amazement, Diggs seemed to hang around the fifth and sixth round. Am I remembering yeah, correctly? That, that That's right. Uh, and, and I draft from the moment you guys open up the first draft on the uh, the uh, the primary and the football guys. Football guys is usually really early. And I, I'd like to draft as early as possible going off of uh, any of the data and information I can get from the off-season training and, and off-season uh, rumors that's running around. And if, if you recall, there's a lot of questions and doubters around Stig's trade. And uh, Allen has been, you know, a whipping post for, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the last couple of years for his throwing interceptions and propensity to run too soon and uh, looking at what was setting up I felt like I could get digs as a wide receiver one late or in the mid rounds and I, I got Singletary in the fifth in that particular draft and digs in the sixth and then I got my best value really stealing Allen in the ninth and um, I felt Allen's uh, off-season work that he was putting in was going to pay big dividends he was very comfortable with the coaching staff and the offense and he was doing the work to really improve his throwing motion and narrow his stance in the pocket and not run until he really has to. Uh, and you could see that paying dividends this year. His completion rate really has skyrocketed this year. And we, we see the results in him as a fantasy producer for us. So I think stacking those guys, I got value at every one of them and allowed me to pick Kelsey at number one. And of course, Eckler at number two, yeah. but he's been injured all year. But, uh, you know, I, I always like to go for, if I'm late in the round, for, for Kelsey or top tight end, but usually Kelsey because he, he ended up being better than virtually everyone else on that line and more consistent than anyone else on that line oh, sure. as a first-round pick. And, yes, and more available. Did, did, did Zach right. Moss ever enter – where did Zach Moss enter into your mindset and with your love of the Bills here – did it extend to the other guys? Beasley's put up big points week in, week out here as we've gone to double-digit weeks. And uh, Yeah, yeah. The, I the, actually the, picked up Beasley in a few leagues because I felt like he would uh, uh, do well, and I picked him up in a few leagues. I've never been a real fan of Moss. I felt like he was going to be more of a developing player, uh, and they may uh-huh. use him around the goal line, but you know, every time he gets a chance, he makes a you know a bad player has a fumble don't pick up a block. So I thought Singletary uh, will outclass him over the year, and I targeted him as my RB two in this particular team. One of the tough calls, Steve, that that you're going to have to make on one of your uh, football guys players championship teams in, in contention is in regards to Keenan Allen. 
Um, he disappointed. He let me down. Um, you know, it's probably my fault because I didn't have a better option behind him, so I had to roll with him. Um, but how he, he gets this long week because he didn't play since since Thursday, and and now he gets um, to to play on Sunday against the Denver Broncos pass defense. Is that enough? Is that enough rest? Do you feel good about rolling him out there again in your starting lineup after he he underwhelmed against the Raiders? I really made a big mistake starting him last week on the Thursday night game. I bought into the hype that he was going to play, and mm-hmm. just because he's such a target monster on that team, I felt like even if he was limited in his snaps, like it was reported he was going to be, that it was going to be okay and it'd be worth the risk. And and I sat him, and and it really hurt me on that particular uh, uh, start. And I will not be starting him in any any league this. Or team league this this week at all are DFS and it's funny I faded him completely into DFS and that's the DFS I won the hundred thousand last Thursday because uh, I focused on his replacement uh, the two replacements uh, Goyden and uh, I think it was Johnson and, uh, and and that paid off yeah that that paid off big time for me so although I didn't do good, so good with FS. Uh, PC, I I I, uh, I was able to listen to the data that's right in your face and and uh, not starting <laughs> on the DFS. But I will not start him this week. He hasn't shown up to practice for you know none this week. And even if he did, he's probably going to be on a limited snap count. And I wouldn't. I don't care who he's going against. I just wouldn't bank on it. And I'm in a good enough spot that I have Corey Davis and Justice Jefferson to replace him in that lineup. And uh, you know, either one of those guys would be sufficient. Those are some really terrific players. You know, injury is is such a big part of this. And when you have depth like that, you can move on to something uh, very, very valuable. You, you know, I I certainly didn't stack him because this was my worthwhile forty nine er. But I I started drafting earlier, and and Steve, I I don't get to draft as near as much as you do, and I wouldn't even if I did, I wouldn't be as as good at it. Congratulations <laughs> on uh, everything that you accomplished with it. I, when I started early this year, Raheem Mostert was a guy that I absolutely loved. The recency of memory of his activities against the Packers in the playoffs. And it's just a player that I, I thought really was coming into his own uh, up in age a little bit, but uh, low in mileage. And I just was expecting a big, big year. And we got that year until he got hurt. And I, I didn't really look at the players behind him to understand who they were because I thought Mostert so separated himself from the other guys. We talked a little bit about him last week, and, and people people are leaning into this player, and I really can't give good advice uh, about him. Can you shed a little light on who Jeff Wilson is and if you have him, whether you have him or not, would you feel comfortable playing him this weekend? Well, um, I don't know if you heard the news. You probably have. Maybe the audience has it. But uh, Mostert is done for the year. He's on IR yes, as of yesterday. And so uh, Wilson has become the favorite of the coaches there uh, in their scheme. They're a run-heavy scheme as well. And they've been trusting him even with most was healthy, uh, especially in the mm-hmm. red zone. And he's been getting scores. Uh, with Mostert out of the picture, uh, he's going to – really uh, carry the bulk of the load and he will be a must start in my opinion uh this weekend if i had him uh i had mostert and did not pick up any 
backup players for Mostert. And I got him primarily early because of value because he wasn't signed to a contract yet. And there was a lot of uh, talk about um, the kid who came over from Atlanta. Uh, um, God, what was the guy's name? Coleman. Coleman. Yes, Coleman. that's right. Uh, and I and I like you liked what I saw at the end of the year. Mostert really had a great year in playoff run. So I had Mostert on a lot of my teams, and I got him at pretty good value because there was a lot of uncertainty whether he was not going to show up training camp or not. And uh, but I didn't get any of his backup players. I did pick up Wilson in a couple of uh, of leagues where he wasn't rostered, and got him you know through the bidding process really cheap. And I will be rolling him out as a, as a starter RB1 this weekend if I had Good for you, man. Good for you. We're talking with Steve Highfield, the uh, 16-time winner of the FFPC in uh, main event in Football Guys League Championships, uh, 10 teams in the championship round this year. And and let's shift the focus to, to James Robinson, obviously somebody who has been so integral on so much success uh, for a lot of teams that are going to be playing for it all this weekend. It's been slowing down a little bit, and now he's got a hobbled ankle. Now, uh, Doug Marone said uh, he was going to give Robinson the week off for practice. Pretty weird to see an undrafted free agent rookie miss all practice and still play on Sunday. But Marone said, look, Robinson told me that he thinks he's going to be ready to play and he wants to play. So similar to kind of how Keenan Allen was on Thursday, Steve, is Robinson, is that going to be a smart sit? Or if he's active, do you have to play him? Let me tell you, this kid is the real deal. I'm in Jacksonville, born and raised here, and I'm a big Jaguars fan. And, uh, you know, I, I really spend a lot of time down and around the team whenever I can. I know the local reporters. Uh, we all thought that uh, the coaches had lost their minds when they let uh, Fournette <laughs> know. And uh, you, nobody knew what Robinson was unless you were at practices. This kid is the real deal, and you could see it by his performance this year. He's been a plug-and-play number one, and if the kid says he's ready to go, he's ready to go, roll him out. I would never sit this guy if he says he's ready to I go. I love that. I love that. He's a well-rounded RB1 because this guy – he catches the ball out of the backfield, and he runs and has the be- one of the one of the best vision uh, runners I've seen in a long time. So he's only, certainly he's got he's him. Only and he's going, good to go. He, he's only going to get better because look at the quarterback play that oh. he's doing that with. Oh, yeah, the right, offensive exactly. line play. You know, this, the this future is his. This is the real deal. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a lot to. He's got a lot to look forward to. I, you, you know, know, I picked this. I picked him up at like around twelve and thirteen last year, just just off of the little bit of rumors that I was hearing in some of these. We teams. have some guys. Uh, we have some guys. Their team name is FBI. They play here in Kentucky with us, Stephen, and and also in Las Vegas at the FFPC. Mm-hmm. And and they were the first ones that when we announced some spring drafts. They said, where is Robinson? Because his name wasn't on the list. It's pre-NFL draft uh, back in March. Those guys were anxious to put him uh, on their roster, and they've enjoyed the benefits of that, too. You know, it's just like when Keenan Allen looked into the TV and said, says, uh, start me, you know, don't don't sit me or something like that. I didn't see it, but everybody reported to. You can't ever really – you can't ever really trust players because players are going to believe in his ability. <laughs> I would rather see it than hear somebody talking about it. And that kid has done all his talking on the field. On the so field. outside of yeah. Keenan Allen, 
outside of Keelan Allen, uh, or, or through your history, and what a fine history it is, Balky alluded to us, and, and, you know, I'd like to just take a moment to be very, very grateful of where we are in this hobby and what has happened in this industry. Um, the, the FFPC play that you did this year and all, you know, your proficiency as a player allows you to go into to the daily and win a big, big prize. But what's more important in the season long, you know, we're sitting here and looking at a prize of a half a million dollars. Did you ever think uh, that we would be in that situation? And what a great tribute it is to what this business has been built up to. And uh, to get well, I tell that you, it's come a long way. It's crazy. It, it is, and the right people are in place and running it. And so, you know, so tell us about the mistake that you're not going to make where you can get that half million dollars because that's, that's what everybody needs. You know, we all sit back and look back and we say, oh, I made all these mistakes. And obviously you're not making many. So have you made some? You know, it's just like uh, I play a lot of poker too, a lot of poker tournaments, and, and, and the same thing goes there. It's about, you know, making the best decisions you can. You can't control everything because there's still going to be some chance to it. And uh, limit your mistakes. And it's the same thing that you have to practice with discipline uh, in managing fantasy teams, or especially season-long fantasy teams. It takes the you know, a lot of time. It's a, it's a hobby, but it takes the time, and you have to enjoy it. You know, and I come from a football background, and I really enjoy the analytics of it and the matchup analysis and doing the homework. And you, you're going to spend – you're going to take it seriously. You're going to be in something at a stakes game. You might as well be in it and take it seriously, especially if you do have money at stake. It's a $500,000 prize. is unbelievable. But – um it's, it's just because there's a lot of players and they're paying their buy-ins. And I remember the first live draft I went to back in 2002, and I was hooked right then and there on high-stakes fantasy <laughs> football. And there was, uh, you know, there was some other sites that had started before you guys had started, um, and they just weren't, you know, they were bulky. They didn't run as smoothly. Uh, and when I heard about you guys and came over and played with you uh, that f- first year, I think the first year I played was 10 or 11, and I left uh, the other guys who had their site previously. And there was just so many more players. It was, the website was so much better. Uh, all the issues with the NFL on uh, on their cut of the industry was all finally worked out. And you just had a great product. And so I've been playing there ever since. And uh, I don't think I'd ever play anywhere else you know, at this point. Well, but um, – to get to the end, you know, for those big prizes, it's not just what you can do. It's it's luck, too. A lot of teams mm-hmm. are going to be very similar at the end. And it may be just one or two different players here or there. Uh, and maybe you didn't get ravaged by injury. Uh, and you made the right start. You could you could forget to do something uh, one week, like uh, that you got a kicker on a bye and lose by half a point. Uh, that head-to-head that week or at the end of the year or even in a DFS, you could lose by tenths of a point. So there's going to be some chance to it. You can't take it too seriously because you could just roll out the best decisions and try to limit your mistakes. And, and then uh, it's, it's up to lady luck at that point in time that you get there. But as long as you manage your teams best as you can, put the time in and you're there in the end, you have a chance, but it's, it's going to be those teams that, you know, pop 180, 220 points in those playoff weeks that's going to take that first prize. 
Steve, full disclosure, I don't know if you have Jalen Hurts on, on any of your teams uh, where, where you're considering starting him this week. But for the purposes of, of this question, let's pretend you do. Um, we've seen some pretty good things out of him the last couple of weeks. And, and we know that, that he has a good matchup here again in, in week 16. So a, as you look at potentially starting Hurts against this Cowboys defense, how likely is it that fantasy owners should probably break ties in favor of starting Hurts this week? Well, it's a high risk. Uh, however, when you had a quarterback that runs that much, you know, that he makes up for a lot of the risk. Any quarterback that's going to run 100 yards in the game. The, the, one of the issues I have is that the Cowboy defense, believe it or not, has been playing better in the last few weeks. And this is a, you know, one of those kind of crunch games, those guys uh, in the same division. So I, I'm not sure I would roll him out. In, in front of another you know, elite quarterback or top quarterback that I've already chosen this week. Uh, there's just something smells funny about this game, and he might, he might not have the, the weeks like he's had. But at the same time, uh, a quarterback that runs that much, you have to consider it. Yeah, and that would be a tough lineup decision for me. Um, Steve, it's, you know, that player, if I had him, I think I'd want to get him in my lineup. He's given a magnificent spark a team that was really and truly dead in the water. Uh, 338 yards, three touchdowns, and running for one touchdown. I, I, uh, I, I probably would have to get him in my lineup over most every quarterback unless I had one of the true elite ones. But it would be a tough decision. What's the toughest decision that you've got this week? Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier and, and, and that was uh, the Keenan Allen decision uh, and in particular yeah. who I put him in between Corey Davis and well, uh, I think that's a once we would once bitten twice shy kind of thing I think you made that decision <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was a tough I mean, one could be a I lot think worse you made decision, that decision <laughs> several days ago <laughs> but I'm talking about the one that's going to that's gonna have you checking your phone uh, on Christmas Eve that, that's the one I'm yeah. talking about. What is it? Uh, I, I, I mean, again, I think that uh, I haven't uh, really dug into my starting lineup yet for this week, unfortunately. I, being Christmas week, I'm running behind on work. I usually start on Tuesdays. But uh, the other one that I had was I started Mostert in the, a couple of these uh, championship-level top 100 teams, and I was worried about how that might shake out. Uh, and then James Robinson as well and his ankle issue. Uh, and, you know, what happens if uh, James Robinson uh, doesn't start? What's left down there? And there's really nothing left. And, and I don't have, uh, in terms of backup uh, on the pitch teams, I'm heavy in wide receiver and tight end. And, uh, and I don't really have a good you know, choice for filling in there. So I think that's, that's going to be the ones that are going to cause me to lose a little sleep, uh, figuring out uh, I'm going to roll out the best team for uh, be competitive this week. You may um, lose a little like sleep, that. but if I were you, I'm going to I'm going to wake up Sunday morning with a big smile on my face and ready to go. I'm always <laughs> smiling. There you are, because uh, I get to play fantasy football, and like you say, I get to wake up to football and and enjoy this wonderful game that we still have during a weird COVID year. And that's another thing, too. Uh, having fantasy football this year has really been good for me. Otherwise, uh, you know, with these lockdowns and other things, it would have been 
you know, a lot longer, feel, feeling like it was a lot longer time frame for me. Uh, this gave me now, something to I, do. I'm right there with you, Steve. I, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, taking stock of everything I have uh, in my life and, and, and certainly fantasy football has been uh, right at the top of that list too. Um, you know, getting to enjoy this all season long. Uh, it's going to stink when it goes away in, in February after the Super Bowl, but we'll make do somehow. And I know some of these emailers are going to be doing the same thing here. The first one uh, who wants to ask you questions, Alan in Riverside, California, uh, he writes, how much are you trusting a hobbled Julio Jones if he is active this weekend, Steve? Good luck in week 16. Thank you for the email. Alan in Riverside, California. I didn't see the practice report today. I, I, I don't know if he was held out. I just assume he was being held out since it's only Wednesday. Um, but I know that Raheem Morris was talking up Julio Jones as, as being, you know, maybe a little bit further along than he has the last couple of weeks. So if he's active, no denying his talent, Steve, but how risky do you want to get knowing that he could pull up on that hamstring and, and miss the rest of the game? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't start him this week. If I got any kind of Fairly. other option, I wouldn't do it. Farrell, are you of the same line of thinking there that, that Julio Jones is simply too risky to start, even if he is active? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, was I, I think it's too risky to start, but and also I don't, I don't see the motivation for either the team or him to get out there at all and risk injuring his hamstring even more. Uh, I mean, it's at the end of the year. They're not playing for anything. Uh, he has nothing to prove. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the lineup. Yeah, I think you, you hit it perfect, Balky, because if he does get on the field, he is it's questionable if he is the true Julio Jones, and then it, he immediately comes off the field. We don't want another, he, we don't right. want another Keenan Allen. And he hasn't been the true Julio Jones this whole year, even when he was out right. there running around helping. So, you know, I, I, so, well, I would certainly start any – I would start Russell Gage over him this week if yeah. I had that option. Gages, too. I mean, he's been turning it, and I know it's been without Julio Jones, but he's been getting a lot of targets in that offense. That could be a sharky flex as we look forward to Week 16 here, no doubt. Um, Tony in in Southfield, Michigan, uh, Steve writes, I own both Cardinals running backs and have been starting Drake over Edmonds until I saw the Cardinals gave more more touches to Edmonds last week. Beg your pardon. Who should I roll with in my title game on Saturday between Drake and Edmonds? Uh, who are they playing? Uh, the San Francisco, right? Yes, yes, correct. Pretty sure they're playing San Francisco. Yeah. Um, well, last week they really got you because Edmonds was on, uh, you know, the questionable list all the way up to, to game time, and then they rolled him out there, and everyone expected a big game from Drake. And as you said, the game script was was all Edmonds, and I mean, not just through the air, <laughs> they handed it off to him too. So something's going on there. I don't know what it is, but Drake's had a pretty pretty decent year, pretty productive year. Uh, that's you talking about a tough call. That's a tough call. Uh, I would, based on the matchup, though, I, I would probably tend to go with Edmonds because yeah, I, I would expect that uh, you want to have the third down back in there more. And the, the game's for script's probably going to set up that way. Farrell, how do you fall in on that Drake versus Edmonds if you can only play one? That's the, the yeah. Steve's got it right. That's very very difficult. I uh, I'm biased towards Drake. Uh, I believe Drake is the is a better skilled player, and it it takes a lot for me to put the 
better player on the bench despite what they did touch us the week before. So I, I want to play my best player. There's a coin flip uh, right there. <laughs> yes, exactly, yes. Uh, and a coin flip that could determine whether you win your league or not. <laughs> which, which is, yeah. which is and, and I, 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 I would caution you. I would say I would say I would agree with you to go with Drake. If I mean, if, if league championship or not, uh, you're going to have to go with the odds on that. But I would also look at the game script, and if these guys are going to be playing from behind, which I suspect they will be, um, you know, it may be a lot of passing, and that sets up better for Edmonds. Farrell, I am fresh out of emails for Steve tonight, but I know you have one last question for him. No, it's the question everybody wants to hear, Steve. You've given us such great information. I don't know how you could top it, but we we really focus on the bust but we really, really would like to know. Waivers are done. You know, we can't go get him unless he's on the roster. But, the, you know, if he's there and you've just missed him, he's he's right there in plain sight, and you can't see him on your roster even though you put him on there. Who is the sleeper that's on your roster? The bust and the sleeper, that you know, the guy that you wish you had to play this weekend. Hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, are you talking about on one of my championship teams? Any, well, about just in my, general. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, we stumped him. Ah, you got me there. Uh, let me you think got, through you, this you, a second. I would say you're over about because the waiver the wires are done, so you're going to have to concentrate yeah. on the merger. Part of it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I would say um, who, if I had them. Steve, let, let, me throw this one. Be... Okay. Let, let me throw this one at you be, while, while you think of one, um, because this has been a popular one in fantasy circles and, and content sites and podcasts this week. And, and that's been talking. We haven't really talked about it much on, on the show today. Um, but the possibility of, of maybe benching Russell Wilson this week, given the fact that mm. Rashad Penny's back, it seems like Seattle really wants to pound that ground game and they're not really going to, quote, let Russ cook until the fourth quarter if they even need him to cook in the fourth quarter. Now, he typically has not had a lot of monster games against Sean McVay's Rams before, and, and I think you could make a case for some other players that you've always been playing over Russell Wilson that would, might make better starts than him this week. How polarizing is it for you? Is he a guy that, that you might want to consider starting, or is he simply is his ceiling too valuable? Is it too high for you to sit Russell Wilson in Week 16? Yeah, I, I think that's where you got to play the odds and go with the, the highest skilled player with the chance to put up the biggest numbers. Um, um, yeah, I, I would go ahead and I, I wouldn't fade Wilson this week. I, I wouldn't. I would I'd keep him in any lineup I had him. If I picked him in number one, you're going to live and die with your pick. Yeah, you know, well, me neither. He's playing. Yeah, I, I definitely keep him in there. Um, in terms of you know a, a, somebody, there's actually a, a, a sleeper or not just a sleeper, just somebody I think is going to have a monster week uh, this week, and I don't have him on any roster. I don't believe at all. Uh, and that is uh, Sanders. Uh, I believe that, uh, especially if uh, um, you still got the ankle injuries uh, and virtually all the other wide receivers there, 
I expect in looking at the matchups uh, with the cornerback wide receiver matchups and tight end matchups, I think you're going to see Daniel uh, Sanders have a monster day uh, and possibly even Jerry Cook. Ooh, well, Christmas Day receivers, Balky. Christmas Day receivers. I love it. I'm I'm actually, you know, in the, that, that game's going to be so interesting to me because, well, first of all, I think the Vikings are like a seven-point underdog, which is right. strange to me given that Drew Brees was a 40% passer in his first game back. He won't have Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping they unleash Alvin Kamara. I need him in so many – well, I mean, who doesn't need Alvin Kamara in week 16? But <laughs> I, it, it would be so great if, if he went off that game too. But maybe it is more of a, a well-rounded attack with, with Emmanuel. I mean, what did he get last week? He got four for 76, I think. Um, Jared Cook, it was so weird because – we thought that that with the return of Drew Brees would be the return of Jared Cook's stats. It, it didn't happen, but maybe it, maybe it was just a week away. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, but, say, uh, I'll definitely be glued to that Viking Saints game. Yeah, if you look at if you look at that secondary though, I mean, Daniel Sanders is a consummate professional. He he has the smarts to, to really create separation on those younger guys that are out there for the Vikings and the Vikings defense have been stating that you know here at the end as well. Um, and although I expect I expect to Kamara to go off, I, I think you're going to see you know, the three uh, the three three between them uh, the, the tight end and Sanders and Kamara all three have big days. I think Breeze is going to have a big day. I think the Vikings are very susceptible. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they hang 40 points on them. And, and uh, as we look at the uh, FFPC main event leaderboards and the Football Guys Players Championship leaderboards, we won't be surprised to see Steve Highfield's name on there 40-plus times. Who knows? Uh, because he definitely has a lot of teams in the championship round in both contests. Steve, can't thank you enough for coming on during a busy Christmas week to, uh, to talk a little fantasy football with Farrell and I. We, we are indebted to you. Good luck in Week 16. I, I hope you bring home as much cheddar as possible. And, uh, and and hopefully the, the ball bounces your way going forward. Uh, real good to talk to you. Hopefully we'll do this again soon, man. Sounds good. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, guys. Merry Christmas, Thank everybody. You. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to my friend. Season's greetings to Steve Highfill, owner of 16 FFPC main event and football guys, uh, uh, players championship league titles. He's got 10 teams in the championship round, three in the top 100, two in the top 200 of the main event. So he's definitely within striking distance. I was just, I, Farrell, uh, Alex and I were talking about this. Well, we weren't, we weren't talking about it. We were talking about it uh, via an online Slack chat. But Alex pointed out um, that during week 14, I think it, yeah, it was in the Football Guys Players Championship, some team um, was in like 2,800th place or something and shot up into like the top 40 or 50 just in one week. Um, with the, a very successful opening weekend of, of the championship round. And again, it's, a, it's only one week, but, but that's how fast things can change when you get down to this three-week sprint. And it's, it's going to be fun. I'm glad it stretches over four days, too, as, as one of my you know, many holiday plans with my family. But one of my big holiday plans will be uh, watching a lot of football this weekend. Very excited. I'm sure you're going to be doing the same thing. Oh, I can't wait. You know, and you can adjust your strategies a little bit that way. If you don't get the performance you want, you can move a guy in and out, uh, you know, a, a riskier play that might give you better points. And if you get a big performance, you can make a safer play later in the weekend. I think Steve's right on with Sanders, and I think that player has been criminally 
underused this year um, in, in the Saints' offense. Uh, I think he should have been a much, much bigger part of it. Uh, down around the goal line, they don't let him score the ball, so so, so many weird things happen in the red zone. Uh, seems like for him to get in the end zone, he's got to attack it from outside the 20. Uh, I, I wish, uh, I think he, Steve said, his players are well uh, a well-prepared veteran player who doesn't hang his quarterback out. He runs crisp routes. He knows how to catch the ball with his hands, throw the ball to him more often. Yeah, and, and he was a guy that I drafted as, like, my number five, my number six receiver in a lot of uh, Kentucky leagues this year for sure. And yeah. and I was hoping that I'd, I'd get more better, uh, you know, better performances from him. But you're right, I don't, I don't necessarily view it as his fault. Uh, I think it was just the – he was a victim of circumstance, victim of the offense, and and hopefully better things are in store. Maybe he'll let he'll he'll bring it all back, make it all work well with a huge week sixteen, um, and and, and make everything so. uh, all better. Balky, speaking um, of Kentucky, we must let the listeners know that you are uh, they, that you are continuing to challenge for several championships. I'm very very proud of what you're doing. You've got uh, probably some tough decisions to make because you're sitting right there at the precipice. The money's not as big. But the uh, bragging rights certainly are big. And, you know, I'm going to, uh, especially everyone that listens, I'd love to talk to you about playing in Kentucky, but all the guys that have been on the show, uh, I'm going to contact them once the season's over and try to try to stay in touch with them and invite them to play. Uh, Steve, I'm just I'm going to stalk him. You know, I'm just going to send him. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, he said, he's, you know, in Jacksonville, I'm going to look up all the airlines and see what's the best way to get him here is, you know, because he's a guy that we want to have in a, in a room. What a great player. You know, what a history yeah. that he has. Yeah, very knowledgeable, football. very successful, great track record for him. Love to compete against him in the KFFSC uh, for sure. Let's try to pound out um, as many emails as we can here tonight. Let's kick things off with uh, the city of brotherly love. It's where Fred resides, and he writes, To my mm-hmm. little fantasy football elves, it seems like each of these guys have gone from unstartable to startable and back again this season. So who do I play between Marquise Brown and Chase Claypool now? Mm. Um, Marquise Brown playing for the uh, Baltimore Football Ravens. They are at home against the Giants at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The reeling. Steelers, the Pittsburgh's reelers, I guess, as, as it were, um, mm-hmm. going up against uh, this week. They take on, um, after that, that, that Bengals loss, they are battling. Why can I not find it here? I, I, just, I just had it up. The, the Colts. Steelers are the Colts. on the Colts. Thank you. Thank you, Farrell. Yeah. Another 1 o'clock game on Sunday. That game is at home. Um, I, I, you know, I know Brown's been turning it on, um, and, uh, and, and, and certainly the Steelers seem to be trending in the opposite direction. Deontay Johnson's getting all the love there right now. Farrell, I think I'm leaning towards Marquise Brown here. Uh, am I going to regret that? And, you know, if you're Steve and you're sitting at the top, Marquise Brown is a play. Marquise is going to get you a solid 15 points. He's caught touchdowns in three of the four last games. Uh, his high of the league is 19.8, or high of the year, 19.8 uh, versus Cincy in week five. So he's the play if you're at the top. If you have to be like the team Alex was telling us about that came from in right. the 2800s and shot up, you know, you're going to play Claypool because uh, Claypool is the player amongst these two that has the opportunity to put together a 40-point game. Now, that's heresy if you've watched the Steelers play, 
But, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, if, if we could get fantasy points for pass interference, Claypool would continue to put up points for you because uh, that's the only way that a lot of the defenders can keep him out of the ball. And they missed a call on him in this last game, but I digress. He's had under 10 points for the last three games. Um, but, you know, the, he's the guy that's going to turn in the performance. And we could talk about this. It could take a whole show to talk about what's going wrong in Pittsburgh. Um, it, it's been with all the receivers. Uh, you're right. Johnson scored for him against Cincinnati, and Ben was, you could see pressure just coming off those shoulders. I hope the team gets it right. They're too good of a team to uh, to discard to throw on the junk peep here in the last quarter of the season. Claypool could deliver the points you need to move up the board. Um, let, let's move on and talk to uh, Scott in Greenville, Illinois. He writes, hey, Farrell and Balky, I dropped George Kittle seemingly forever ago and picked oh. up Logan Thomas, not expecting much. Yep. But now with his recent play, should I bench Robert Tunyon for playing Thomas against the Panthers in my title game. Scott, in uh, Greenville, Illinois, we certainly appreciate it. He is He's had a lot of success picking tight ends here, Farrell, from Kittle to Thomas to Tunyon. Mm. Um, and uh, and, and I, I like both Thomas and Tunyon this week. I guess for me, you know, knowing that the quarterback situation um, as it is right now, uh, I, it's, it's tough for me to say Logan Thomas is the play because I think there's going to be so many points scored in that Packers Titans Sunday night game. So I'd lean towards Tanya. I do too. And, you know, Logan Thomas, I, you know, if you're in the FFPC and you have both these players, you might try to get them both on the field. If you've got a uh, one o'clock game, I think Washington and Carolina and the schedule makers have done you a favor. Uh, Sunday night is, is the matchup with the green Bay and Tennessee uh, Thomas is coming off 13-catch game. Uh, Tunyon has uh, uh, most targets for the season has been, uh, I think, seven. But, boy, they're high-quality targets when uh, Rodgers is throwing the ball. Uh, if if you're uh, – if Alex Smith goes, feel confident in playing Thomas. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, you can just roll in with, uh, with uh, Tunyon. Uh, on Sunday night, but yeah, both both of those guys are going to be in my lineup. Both. Uh, yeah, you know, especially an FFPC premium um, tight and a ha- uh, tight end uh, point and a half per catch uh, certainly makes a lot of sense to get them both in if you can. Um, Corey in Alpharetta, Georgia. I waited on quarterback this year and was happy to get good production from the position. The problem is that mm-hmm. it has often been on my bench. I can't get my start mm. sits right between Justin Herbert and Ryan Tannehill, who is the correct guy this weekend. Thanks for getting me into my championship game. That's Corey in Alpharetta, Georgia. So congratulations on that, Corey, and we're, we're happy that we, we could have helped. Um, Tannehill, uh, we just said, is at Green Bay on Sunday night. Justin Herbert is taking on the Denver Broncos in Los Angeles. Farrell, is the, is the total enough on uh, Sunday night football, enough for you to say Tannehill's the player? Are you still betting with Herbert with uh, you know maybe a seemingly somewhat healed Keenan Allen? What a great problem to have, you know, and, and yes, you can look forward to what our friends in the desert have uh, installed as a total, but you can also look back. You could win a lot of bets when you say, what's the number one scoring offense in the NFL this year? And I don't think a lot of people would say Tennessee, but, uh, you know, it's close, but they're right there at the top, 31.1, 37.3 points 
for the Titans over the last three games. Uh, uh, Packers over the last three games, by the way, 28.3, which is sort of an interesting number, too. But, you know, this uh, – uh, Tannehill's my guy here. Uh, it's difficult to uh, – to put Justin Herbert on the bench, but that's a divisional game. And you know how funny divisional games can get, especially with Denver, yeah. a team that wants to, to, to run the ball. Uh, even uh, and Gordon gets a revenge game uh, in his return uh, to play the Chargers. But uh, Tannehill's my guy here. You can go on and on about it. Uh, it it's so many ways for him to have red zone success. We talked about the tight ends down there. It, it's uh, – it's not good to start any of them for fantasy football other than John o. Smith, but you put them all together, tight end position gives you 10 touchdowns in the red zone. Henry, a threat anywhere on the field, especially in the red zone. The receivers are great red zone targets, both Brown and Davis. Um, Tannehill has so many weapons that a lot of us just haven't considered. And as they move through the playoffs this year, if they have any kind of success, if the coach will get out of the way, and let them play, uh, this team, uh, these guys are going to become household names, and we're not going to be able to draft them at some of the bargain slots uh, that we could get them at uh, in the 2020 draft. You know, the other thing, too, is I think that total on that Packers-Titans game, not that I want to keep coming back to it, but it's like at 56.5 or 57, it would not surprise Mm -hmm. me if that total approaches 60 points by kickoff on Sunday night. we got a ways to go. Before we get there, I mean, we're talking about five days uh, where, where that line can move. And I just I expect a very fun game, a lot of exciting offense. So that's probably where I would lean to and start Tannehill over Herbert this week. Um, Don in San Antonio, final email we're going to get to uh, uh, this week. What a roller coaster my fantasy team has been on this season, but it somehow has culminated in playing for a title. I didn't think I'd be facing this decision a month ago. But now I have to decide between Le'Veon Bell or Leonard Fournette for all the marbles. Can you help Ooh. me out, Don, in San Antonio? We will do our best, my friend. This is very intriguing um, uh, matchup for both of these players this week. Mm-hmm. No Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell. It's, it's the Le'Veon Bell and Daryl Williams show, essentially, at home against Atlanta. Leonard Fournette does go on the road, but it's Detroit. And it sounds like Ronald Jones won't be available for that game. So it'll probably be LaShawn McCoy giving some respite to uh, Leonard Fournette. How do you, how do you, you know, sort of handicap this Farrell between Bell and Fournette? Quite frankly, this is, this is almost a coin flip for me after I saw what Fournette did last week. Yeah. And then they share the uh, opponent. Fournette did his action last week against Atlanta, correct? Yeah. 14 rushes, 49 yards, three catches for 16 yards. Bell put up, Slightly better, but similar numbers in his contest last week. Uh, Bell, you try to look at motivations of the players. Uh, Fournette's had a role with this team. Uh, Bell's been kicked around out of football. This is a chance for him to prove that he is an elite player. He's always believed he's an elite player, and I believe he is too. A lot of our fantasy drafters uh, turn their back on him, and once he joins the Chiefs, he says, well, you know, he's keeping good company he'll have fantasy value and standalone fantasy value. But he is the guy. Darrell Williams uh, and, and um, Darwin Thompson have around 40 rushes a year co- for the season collectively. Um, I think they're both capable players. Williams can catch the ball pretty well. But it's going to be the Le'Veon Bell show. And what a team to get it going against uh, with the 
uh, that offense playing against the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with Le'Veon Bell to assert himself to be the player uh, that he believes he is, and the player that Kansas City is going to need him to be uh, to, to get through the playoffs. I think both these teams are going to be living in the red zone um, this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Bucks and the Falcons, or excuse me, the Chiefs both put up a lot of points. Here's the difference for me. Um, Atlanta's rush defense surprisingly has not been that, that bad this season. In fact, you could probably make the case it's been mm-hmm. good because most teams just shred their pass defense and, and they don't have to yep. necessarily, um, you know, worry about uh, running the ball and establishing the run as it were. Um, so I guess for me, I would say, well, Maybe Bell's not the right play, but remember, he's such a valuable pass catcher out of the backfield, and I know he doesn't have the explosive burst he used to, and, and he's certainly not the player he used to, but he, he does still have hands. He is still a skilled pass catcher, and, and I think that's the difference for me. Fournette, to me, I, I, I've never really bought, you know, he had that 74-catch season or whatever it was last year, and I never really thought that that was something to build on for him. Um, I think the pass-catching chops of Bell separate these guys for me this week. Still very close. Again, these are your teams. Go with your gut. But for me, mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with my good buddy Farrell and say Le'Veon Bell is the start for you this week, Don, in San Antonio. Thank you for listening. And, Farrell, thanks thanks for hanging out uh, this, this week. This was a pleasure doing the uh, the Christmas show uh, this this year. as we, we got to talk to Steve Highfield. This was awesome. And I wish you a happy holidays. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. I hope the ball bounces your way in all your games this weekend. And, and uh, we'll, we'll do this again next Wednesday on New Year's Eve Eve. Yes, Balky, we will. And I will reveal to everyone that listens your success in the KFFSC this weekend because I think you're going to have a lot to be proud of. Merry Christmas, buddy. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. I certainly hope you didn't jinx it, but we'll, we'll see what happens there, dude. Uh, remember to check out, <laughs> check out Farrell and his uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, which I love playing in every single year, kffsc.com. Certainly uh, wonderful to have you on, dude. Talk to you again soon. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, hopping aboard uh, as, uh, as my co-host once again this evening. What an addition he's been to this podcast. Certainly love having him on. Um, and that is going to do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this week. Now, before we go, I do have uh, a few announcements I want to make regarding um, the the uh, the next week of, of the show, because we're going to be doing something very cool next week. First of all, happy birthday to Michael Inyang, to Todd Hunter, two former guests of this show. They're celebrating their birthdays right around Christmas time. Uh, I know that's always wonderful for people who get to do that. So happy birthday, guys. Um, Steve Highfield, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you, you get my 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 uh, festive thanks for hanging out and, and listening and doing the show, uh, hanging out with us in the chat room this week. This is awesome, uh, and uh, and we'll do it again next week. Brad Cruz on the high stakes lowdown that will be coming out uh, the wee hours of Christmas Eve morning. So before you get uh, together with family, friends, whatever you're doing, um, listen to the Brad Cruz high stakes lowdown and uh, get set to set those lineups on Friday. Christmas Day game, Vikings Saints, triple header on Saturday. You're going to have to get these lineups in early. I know it's a kind of a pain uh, to do it during Christmas because there's so much else going on, but don't let all that preparation you did over the course of the year be ruined uh, this week. Get those lineups in. Hopefully the ball bounces your way. Okay. Register for the FFPC and Football Guys Playoff Challenges today at myffpc.com. For sure you want to get aboard on that. 
$200 to win $500,000, $35 to win $100,000. What is better than that? It is the only way to watch playoff football. As I alluded to Farrell, Wednesday, 10, 9 central, we will be on, not, we'll be on with the FFPC main event leader, uh, which is awesome. We never get the leader on this time of year. Now, what's interesting about this is, is he will know if he has won the $500,000 when we have him on on Wednesday. His name is Steve Liska, and he co-owns the team with three buddies from college, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, and Brian Winters. All four of those guys will be on the program next Wednesday with me and Farrell. I believe logistically we could make it happen on Blog Talk Radio. If we have to have two on at one time and and then bring two on uh, again, we will make it happen. We'll get all four of these guys on. Hopefully they're celebrating a $500,000 grand prize. Uh, If not, we'll we'll get the... um, We'll get the, uh, the, the sad story of, of how it didn't happen. They have a very, very slight lead over John Gifford right now. I think less than two points in the main event. So anything can happen and usually does in the FFPC. That is next Wednesday at 10, 9 central. Hop aboard for that. Happy holidays, season's greetings. Merry Christmas uh, to everybody who is celebrating this uh, this year. Very blessed to be able to do this podcast each and every week. And very blessed to have listeners uh, like you to, to tune in. So thank you so much. Please continue to do so. We'll continue to produce this show. Enjoy week 16. Go out and win those championships. Uh, I hope you know we're going to have a great story to tell. Your championship round weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Thanks again to Frederick the Younger for our outro music. Check out all their music at frederictheyounger.com. Check out uh, Quiet Hollers music at quiethollers.com. They do the intro music to the show each and every week here. Uh, love those guys. They're fantastic, and they make fantastic music. Hopefully, you guys are making some fantastic music in your championship weeks this week. Go out and win, and um, hopefully we'll get you on the show to tell us all about it. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.